In life, we have many fears, but what do Deion Sanders and Colorado fear in the 2023 season? We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. And joining me today, again, John Garcia Jr. John, thank you for coming back. We appreciate you. Um, today, we have to talk about the doubts and the fears that Colorado may have ahead of this next season. We're going to talk about Coach Prime's mindset on Twitter, and I think it was hinting at something. I don't know. It's hard to tell with him, but he's he's a philosophical man. So we're going to dissect his tweet and maybe make something out of nothing. And then Colorado was projected to get as many wins as you could count on your hand, um, sub- minus two. It was rough. It's tough out here. So we're going to dissect everything. And But before we do, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Bus your first listen of the day. Let's just go right into the biggest fear. And so this article was actually written by myself over on my other site um, where I cover Stanford. And I identified the biggest fear for every Pac-12 team. Um, for some teams like o- Oregon State, it was DJ Uliangale not being good um, or not working out. Uh, USC's was their defense. Stanford's was their new guys not being ready to play because they're all having all all of their players are basically first time starters. And for Colorado, um, I think based off the program's confidence because of Coach Prime, um, based off of the amount of talent they're going to bring in, even with the transfer portal opening tomorrow, um, got my math right today. uh, I think Colorado has literally no fears, but the only fear that they would have if they would openly admit it is their strength of schedule. Um, looking at their strengths of the schedule, they play Oregon, USC, Oregon State, and Utah, which are four of the top five teams. Um, and four of those teams could legit make the, the college football playoff if everything goes right for them. Not all four, but if everything goes right for one of them, they can make the playoff. And so I think their biggest fear would be their schedule. Um, it's just yeah. a tough schedule, and it's there's not really a, a couple-week stretch where they could just build momentum easily. They're going to have to be in a dogfight week in and week out. Yeah, not to mention opening up at TCU, right, who did go to the college football playoff and obviously won a game there uh, against Michigan. So, yeah, this is a daunting schedule. I think um, when you look at year ones for these coaches, you want to build up with something that is a little bit more convenient. Um, So on one end, you say, well, this is a gauntlet right out of the gates for the Buffs. On the other end, you say, hey, it should prove to, to up the metal of this program um, when they do get to, you know, September 23rd at Oregon, September 30th at home against USC, which we a couple shows ago kind of said, hey, that could be a sneaky game for the Buffs on the positive end. So it's a gauntlet, but it could prove you battle tested. But obviously it's a results business. Uh, so understanding that there's going to be some L's along the way is probably expected but according to you know college football news and some of these other people that are prognosticating uh wow there's there's not a lot of hope all of a sudden so we've seen everything from national title odds and hitting the ground running like a TCU and Sunny Dykes last year with a with a new coaching staff all the way to is Colorado going to be very much better than they were in, in 2022? You know, so it's really fascinating to see the contrast of opinion 
Uh, and, and we're still so far away, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be new buffs, players that we we aren't talking about. Obviously, we, these position battles know. are still, <laughs> yeah, they're all still TBD for the most part. The position battles, just the true foundation and depth on the roster. So we always kind of spend time on the way too early anything in this sport because we love it. It's it's a 12-month, 365-day-a-year type sport to cover. Um, but man, sometimes you're like, man, there's still a long way to go before kickoff September 2nd in Fort Worth. And there's got a lot of changes that will happen between now and then for all of these programs involved. But uh, naturally, we're just seeing shifts with the feel of, of Colorado in year one under Coach Prime. And, and I think that's probably par for the course. And I think some of that has more to do with some contrarianism, right? Early hype, early momentum, national media, kind of all in on Colorado. Uh, and then naturally you, you you go contrary to that to some degree. So I do think there's a little bit of, of that just from the human element here going on with some of these folks trying to make predictions, uh, you know, five months in advance. Yeah. And I think, because honestly, I don't think this program really has anything else to fear because we were talking about it before the show. They have nothing to lose, really. Um, only thing that I would, I guess they would have to lose is their popularity. But I don't, as long as Coach Prime's there, there's the popularity is going to remain. Um, they have all of the players. Um, they have as much talent as I think individual talent as any team in the Pac-12, maybe. It's just whether they have enough depth to put everything together um, because indiv- having the best 22 players, which I'm not saying they do, but they have a really good, we'll say a really good starting 22, um, but you need 44 to kind of be a contender. And so I, I just look at the schedule and I just don't see, I see a lot of challenges right away. You mentioned at TCU, then they host Nebraska, which is a huge rivalry game. Uh, Matt Rule and Coach Prime are kind of, I feel like there's like a passive aggressive rivalry between the two of them that yeah. they don't like really address, but there's just a lot of, I feel like there's been a lot of back and forth things between Colorado and Nebraska. And I don't remember this being as relevant of a game in recent years. I'm not saying all time, but in recent years it has not been this relevant. Obviously they haven't played since like 2019, but still um, Colorado state, obviously that's a, an easier game, but we'll talk about this later. It's just, they have a tough schedule. And so I think that'd be my only concern with them because usually Ideally, you play some random FCS program, you pay them a couple mil to fly out to wherever you are, you beat them up by 60, then next week you you move up to, say, a Mountain West program, and you play a lesser one, like Colorado State, sure, and so then by week three, you've already beat up two teams, and then you're feeling confident, the coaches Mm -hmm. maybe know who they have, and so that's not the case, though. They they went hard schedule. Um, If if somehow Colorado and obviously this is the craziest hypothetical ever, if they, if they start winning out that they have the resume for a playoff team. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Do they have the roster for a playoff team? We don't know yet. Uh, probably not in year one, but in year two, year three, maybe um, guys, if you're looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, then March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You need the best tasting protein bar ever. 
It's built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. You got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't protein. Don't know why I said it like that. And now you don't need to wait to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Okay. So we kind of talked about, not kind of, we did talk about their biggest fear. Um, realistically, it's their schedule. Um, I think they're confident in their personnel. They're confident in their coaching staff. And they're confident in just everything. And I think the only thing that's preventing them from reaching their goals right now is a tough schedule. Um, but there was a tweet by Coach Prime yesterday on Twitter. Um, at Yesterday afternoon, I guess. And he said, I want it all and I ain't settling. That's the difference between me and you. And so I don't think he was really adding anyone unless he was. Then I'd, I I'd, wish I would. Yeah, I just I, I wish he was. Um, wish I don't. Was yeah, I think that would be like the only person that really tweeted at him recently. And I don't think that he was like he's trying to start an all out Twitter beef over yoga. I don't think it's that deep. Um, but I kind of think this is maybe an at to like the people who are doubting. Maybe it's an at to call triple news for predicting three wins. Maybe it's a a warning to other coaches because the transfer portal does open up tomorrow. And so maybe Colorado is going to be a huge player again, which I expect them to be. Um, I took it as he's kind of alerting his doubters again. Um, I think coach prime is a very philosophical tweeter and I think everything he tweets is with intention. And so I think this is kind of like a warning shot to someone. And so I'm going to take it as it's a warning shot to the rest of college football that he's coming in the portal and kind of going to silence these doubts about his roster's depth. I'm right there with you, KB. I thought initially it could have been response to the college football news projections, but I also think Prime would have added them. I think he would have directly linked uh, their account into that tweet if it was truly directed at them. If it's broader or deeper, which I think it is in this case, I agree. I think it's about the portal and the timing of it opening up. The conclusion, 10 practices in with, with him at spring ball there in Boulder as well. Things are winding down there. And he's, he's kind of rounding into shape relative to his own roster. Remember, we talked about the challenges of spring ball in trying to evaluate your own roster, your inherited roster, the newcomers, all while implementing new schemes and learning how other coaches work with you uh, all at the same time. So there's obviously a ton on Prime's plate here, but I do think the timing of the tweet has more to do with the portal. And it goes along with what he said a couple of weeks back and, hey, we're just getting going in the portal. So I, I think that is being reemphasized here relative to, the, to that tweet itself. And so not settling, I think, is the important part to take away from it because you already brought in, you know, the number one portal class, the number one portal combined with high school class. However you measure it, everybody views this talent acquisition period from December to now as a massive success for Prime in Boulder. 
So to me, the not settling is that because he also made it made it known, hey, I think we're number one, but you know he knows that that prime and, and the buffs are number one. So I do think it has to do with that. Even if you feel good about a certain position, it doesn't mean prime won't attack it. So you, you brought in a bunch of O-line transfers. Don't count out others joining that group. Ditto on the defensive line. Ditto at wide receiver. As we know, they're, they're still hunting for prospects there. So I, I think strengths could be strengthened through the portal just as much as we, we talk about and we'll focus on the holes and maybe the, the lack of depth at linebacker in certain positions. I also think that re-emphasizing and bolstering strengths on this roster is, is going to go down for Colorado, at least in principle when this portal opens uh, here this weekend. Yeah, and just to go back one tweet, um, his tweet prior to this says, "There's there are some people, places and things you may desire, but they don't fit. It don't matter how much you like it, want it, or feel it, you need it. If it don't fit, it don't fit. Stop forcing things. What God has for you is for you, and it will fit perfectly. Don't panic or settle. So I think, obviously, he's uh, a religious person. I, I don't think anyone's questioning that. But I think a lot of his tweets are very timely. It kind of reminds me of uh, LeBron James. And this is like a very obscure comparison. But every time LeBron James says something, like he knows what the backlash is going to be or he knows what the response is going to be. And so I feel like it's a similar thing with Coach Prime. I feel like when he says things, tweets things, he knows that there's going to be a certain reaction. And I think this is all ramping up to the portal. I think it's trying to to let players know maybe if they're leaning in and out of the portal, maybe even on his own roster, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there Maybe there's some guys that, because some programs right now are having those tough conversations, and I'm not sure if Colorado is as direct or I, I don't know what their their process is. But some guys, programs are having conversations where it's like, hey, we appreciate what you've done, but you're not performing. Um, we we would recommend that you enter the portal. And so maybe it's that, or maybe it's trying to attract those guys from other programs that are looking for a home. Because I think the, the part that we underestimate, too, about this next portal is it goes so fast, um, even though it's open for a certain amount of time, a certain amount of time everybody wants to find a home right away. And so I think this portal will have a lot more quicker commitments, if you will, because I don't think there's that time to go visit because you got to apply for school and you got to get into school and all that. So it's going to happen. Credits, all that stuff's a mess. It's very yeah. hard to navigate. Yep. Right. So I think this is going to be going a lot faster. And I think coach prime just letting kids know that, Hey, we got spots for you. As he says, he ain't hard to find. Um, I want to thank you guys for making locked on buffs. Your first listen every day, every day or on Monday show. Oh, we're going to have a good one. Um, we're probably going to be talking about the, the rest of the season, the transfer portal halls. Who knows? Who knows? I'd, I don't want to give away too much, but it'll be a good one. Um, let's dive right into the article that we've been alluding to this entire episode by college football news. Um, they predicted the record of every Pac-12 team ahead of spring. Um, so obviously they said they will have a updated prediction in the summer. But when they got to the Colorado football program, John, they they did not pull punches. And they I would say they're doubting Colorado. They're doubting Coach Prime. Um, they gave them three wins on the year. Uh, Colorado State, Stanford, and Arizona. Um which Colorado State was one of the worst teams in college football last year, I believe. Stanford also um, among those. And Arizona is a middle-of-the-pack uh, Pac-12 team who struggles at times. Um, I think they're, I think Arizona's ceiling is like eight wins. I'm kind of higher on Arizona than most, but that's not what this podcast is about. They're saying three wins. I I have to adamantly disagree. Um, I think we when we've broken down the schedule many times, but looking at TCU week one, I think there's going to be a lot of hype around that game. I think there's going to be, again, a different Colorado roster with even more uh, depth 
And I think TCU, they lost a lot of pieces. They lost their quarterback. They lost their two running backs. They lost their three re- leading receivers. They lost their offensive coordinator. Um, they lost their, their best two secondary player. Yep. They lost their two leading pass rushers that combined for like 60% of their sacks. So it's a very different TCU team. They're going to be relying on freshmen. I wrote a preview for Athlon about it. Uh, I don't think it's out yet, but I, I previewed TCU and diving into the roster. They just lost so many people. And so obviously I'm not saying that the guys that are going to be replacing them aren't good. It's just when you lose as many contributors as they did, it'll be tough. Nebraska. Um, that program was a laughing stock um, last year. I think, Obviously, Colorado won a one game, so I'm not going to be like Colorado was in a better situation. But Nebraska, they were so bad last year that they could have they fired Scott Frost despite having the chance to save like tens of millions of dollars. If they waited to a certain week, they could have saved so much money. And they're like, no, this is just so bad right now. Like, we got to get them out. So I don't think Nebraska obviously has a strong portal class, strong recruiting class. But they're in a similar situation to Colorado. I think that's a winnable game. So already we're at two games that I think are winnable. Colorado State, winnable. And that's one of their few projected wins. At Oregon, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think a lot of people go into Eugene and win. Uh, USC, we've talked about already. USC is a team that they they fall asleep. Um, Lincoln-Riley-led defenses are not the, the, the premier defenses by any means. They fall asleep. They give up comebacks. They kind of make mistakes. Arizona State, another winnable game. Stanford, winnable game. UCLA, I think that's a winnable game. I don't trust UCLA's quarterback situation right now. A lot of turnover or- there, too. Yep. Oregon yep. State, I think Oregon State's going to be a decent team, but who knows if they're going to win every game they should. Washington State, I think that's a winnable game. So there's a lot of wins on the schedule. So why do you think they just – Stuck them at three, John. I think it's some of that contrarianism we talked about a little bit earlier and, and giving the benefit of the doubt to programs that talent, either talent-wise or their 22 on-field product was so much markedly better than Colorado's that they they gave some benefit of the doubt and some grace to these programs despite quarterback changes, coaching changes in, in, in multiple respects here um, as well. I, I think – they were tough in general. All of the first-year coaches in the Pac-12, according to, to College Football News, predicted to have five or less wins. Now, if, if you would have said that a day ago and told me uh, out of Colorado, Arizona State, and Stanford, one of them is going to have five wins, and they're going to project one for three wins and one for two wins, I'd have guessed Colorado as the, the higher end of that spectrum. But they went with ASU in, in that light, which I thought was really interesting total philosophical overhaul and roster overhaul just like we're seeing at colorado just like we're, we're seeing at nebraska which you brought up just a second ago so to give the benefit of the doubt there I, I think is kind of a lot especially relative to how bad all three of these teams were for the bulk of, of 2022 so that variance was a little bit surprising to me um but they were pretty tough pretty harsh on colorado obviously three wins is is borderline brutal. And in between just the projection of a three and nine season, they're projecting four multi-loss streaks in the right. same season. I mean, that's you talk about um, mental situations that affect the physical and affect football. You go through four multi-game losing streaks, including right out of the gate, starting off 0-2 before the Rams come to town, that is really tough on any program. So I, I do think it becomes somewhat unlikely in some of those intricacies relative to the schedule itself. And I'm with you, KB. We, we went through it. I thought bowl eligibility was kind of the mark 
six and six, I, I think is is almost conservative in, in this respect relative to the talent on the buff roster, but three and nine feels low. Um, I know the Vegas number was four and a half, and we were kind of like, hey, today I'm feeling like the over, right? Mm-hmm. So if if Vegas is there and, and we're higher than that, and, and look, we don't come from Colorado backgrounds. We're not homers. We, we didn't go there. None of that stuff. So if we're higher on it, Vegas is higher on it. I'm, I'm a little surprised to see three wins there from college football news. But I will say credit to them for going game by game because it it's easy to just throw out numbers. But to go game by game and really try to mm-hmm. break it down, I, I do think there, there's some some honor, I guess, uh, within that pursuit. Uh, and I also thought it was interesting that they've got three teams in the Pac-12 winning 10 games and kind mm-hmm. of round-robining, cannibalizing each other between, uh, I believe it was Washington, Oregon, and, and USC, with mm-hmm. Utah finishing fourth there with a nine-win season. So I think that will be fascinating at the top of the conference, but I think they're a little bit off there at the bottom. I think Stanford might be the worst team in the league, but to have Arizona State markedly better than Colorado under almost exactly the same circumstances feels a little bit off. Yeah, and I think the one thing to that, and I, I kind of talked about this and I kept saying it, about a month ago that the honeymoon phase was ending with Colorado. Definitely. I think the honey, I think the honeymoon phase is like dead. <laughs> I think, I think everybody's ready or not everybody, but a lot of sites or riders and college football people who watch the, the sport and love it so much. I think they're ready to be like, okay, Colorado was a cute story this off season, but let, let's be real. They're going to, they're going to suck is what they're saying. And I think, I think people want to doubt Colorado. Um, I just do. I think there's, they got too much hype too quick. And so I think people will, are like fundamentally like they they were one in eleven last season, so fundamentally they cannot be good next year. But we saw TCU five and seven to the to the playoff. USC, I don't remember what their record was, but they were terrible the year before. Good. Yeah, they were terrible the year before. Um, I think they're just people. People don't like change, and this is a major change. Um, I myself don't like change. You know, I'm, I'm a routine person, and so when my routine gets messed up, I, I'm a little off. But they don't like change in their sport. Um. I will say the one thing that Arizona State has going for them, and I believe the schedulers of the Pac-12 even said that they wanted to do this on purpose, was they have eight home games. like, And, and I think their their home games are all like against the the teams that you want. They have home games against Fresno. Oh, I mean, that's not their schedule. USC, Colorado. Um, they get Washington State at home. They get Oregon at home, Arizona at home. Um, so I feel like they get a lot of the challenging teams at home, whereas Colorado is traveling to Oregon. They're traveling to, to Utah, but we weren't expecting much from those games anyway. But yeah, I think just to wrap this up, it's the death of the honeymoon phase. I think we're going to see a lot more doubts about Colorado, um, even though they're basically rebuilding the roster and we're going to get more talent on campus. People right. are, it's, people it, are that's the part. it's that part for me, because say what you want about Colorado, but now all of that hypothetical buzz is tangible mm-hmm. just look at the spring game right in a couple of weeks it's the only game that's going to be on espn's flagship channel so those transfers that maybe are still in the portal from the winter months or they're about to hit it after spring ball colorado projects with more visibility and now it's tangible visibility as opposed to we think that's going to be super buzzworthy and, and and create a lot of attention. Now these kids know from a visibility marketability standpoint, Colorado is, is in the upper echelon. I don't know how deep that number goes, 
But Colorado is there. Again, the only spring game that's going to be televised, obviously sold out spring game on top of it. Um, so I, I do think that that shifts a little bit of the desire for some kids to potentially transfer to Colorado beyond the obvious, beyond prime and this roster and all of those things. I think the ante is up even more, especially for those that are grad transfers or only have one year of eligibility left. I think if you're you're swinging for the fences, you're like, hey, one good year can propel me to the NFL, whatever it is. I think Colorado proves even more visible to those prospects. So I think the ceiling actually went up with the mm -hmm. portal potential here going into the spring. And that's not something I expected to say a couple months back. Yeah. And also one last point I want to touch on before we go is just because I said their biggest fear was their schedule does not mean I think they're going to get boat raced by everybody. I just think they have a tough schedule. I didn't, I wasn't calling for three wins. I could tell you that. I just think that was the most realistic thing that I could see them being weary about. So yeah, biggest fear, probably their strength of schedule. Will it define them? Will it take them down? No. Coach Prime's tweets. I think he's I think he's hinting at something. I think there's more talent coming in. There's going to be more guys probably departing Colorado. Um, unfortunately, this is the time of the year where programs kind of show guys the door or if they don't show them the door, they kind of show them their spot in the depth chart and be like, it's not getting higher than that. And then, of course, three wins projected by college football news. Will Colorado surpass that mark? We'll see later. We'll, we'll only be able to see during the season. But what we do know is that we love you guys for making Locked on Bus your first listen every day. Uh, make sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you guys on Monday.